Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we search the world for interesting and fascinating and sometimes remarkably smart guests who are going to challenge the way you think, they're going to inform you of things that you may not have thought about, and they're going to ignite your imagination as we discuss all sorts of topics. All right, without further ado. So, Tim, I hear an accent there. Where are you? Australia. And which part? Brisbane. Brisbane. Cool. I was in Brisbane like three years ago. It was uh, just beautiful. Where are so you for going? Those, the, for those folks like me, um, I think Melbourne is right next to Brisbane, which is right next to Sydney. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you like to visit them all in one day, I hear. Yeah. If, if you look on a map, they're only that far apart. <laughs> yeah, it's like two inches on the map. So, Yeah. yeah. Randy grew up in Melbourne, but he's he got stuck on the continent for a little while, and, mm-hmm. and now he's... He's got the um, the freedom of Texas under his feet. So if you'd lived in Brisbane, you wouldn't have left. I can see why you leave. I can see why you leave if you lived in Melbourne. Yeah, I'm, well, yeah, we won't say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so just to get started, Tim, clearly there's a lot underneath the surface, like a big old iceberg. So curious as to what your whole um, path looks like up to this point in business and life and all the things. Yeah. How long do you want me to talk? <clears throat> is that a two minute answer About or is it a 30 second answer? Two, <clears throat> two to three hours. Oh, <laughs> two minutes is good. <laughs> okay. So I started my first business with a entrepreneurial guy. I call him like my rich dad versus the poor dad philosophy. He's an interesting guy. He got me into a tree service business. I worked for the guy that owned it. He was a 65 year old guy. Uh, climbing trees. The rich dad guy said, I think we should buy the business off him. And after working for him for two months, he sacked me. And then I said, well, he sacked me. He said, that's all right. Have you figured it out? I said, more or less. He says, that's all right. We'll buy the business and we'll work it out. So the most dangerous industry in the world, I taught myself and did that for a few years. That partnership lasted a couple of years and I was on my own. So it's sort of young and green, didn't know anything about business. And then Ended up going back into partnerships, and at that time, my accountant said, you need to read this book, The E-Myth Revisited, and then I realized there's this topic called business that's got nothing to do with industry, and I was shocked by that. I learned what the word marketing meant. I learned what the word recruitment meant. I learned what the word finances meant, and I thought there's this whole world that I don't know anything about. I've got to start learning this thing called business, and I did the Michael Gerber E-Myth workshop for two days that blew my mind and learned about this word called systems as well. And then I came across Jay Abraham, did his marketing workshop. That that was fantastic. And then I thought oh, I need more of this. And then I started measuring everything that I do, did more marketing courses with a guy called Chris Newton, who was Australia's most successful marketer in the 90s. And then I had an opportunity to, my profits went crazy. I was working less hours and making more money. It was fantastic. And then I thought, I, I got to get out of this industry. It's a dangerous industry. And then 
there was a company called Action International that was running a lot of seminars and workshops and I love their content and they said we're going to franchise this idea called business coach and business and coach had never been put together in a sentence and I thought that sounds like me put my hand up I was one of 10 people selected I didn't realize that I wasn't I didn't know what the word pilot meant pilot meant we're not going to teach you anything we're not going to give you any systems so good luck with that you can use our mm-hmm. name Yep. Luckily, I had some information to fall back on and then kind of hit the ground running, started getting some great results with clients, became a bit of a leader, Worldwide Franchisee of the Year in the year 2000, and um, got published in national business magazines a lot with clients that grew fast, sometimes up to 1,200% in five months. And um, life was pretty good. Started marketing my own seminars, my own workshops in about 1999, and did that all over sort of different areas in New South Wales, and then end up moving to Queensland, set up a wealth education business with a partner, hit the ground running, we're doing about 80,000 um, a month within about six months. It was going really well until he didn't do the right thing. And so we parted ways and, okay, I've got to go back to doing what I know. Yeah, so that's a bit of a history. And then, yeah, so business coaching, business mentoring, Similar sort of thing. I like I get involved with all facets of growing your business, but I like growing businesses fast. None of this ten percent, twenty percent per year. I'm, I like to do five hundred percent or five thousand percent. So setting up businesses to grow, but separating business owners from their business so that they have a life and they have a business, and working becomes completely optional. That's what I like. So we live in a in a. Uh an era where you scratch the internet and you find people telling us that we have to hustle to build a business. What are your thoughts about that? That's about as vague as it gets. There's lots of uh, motherhood statements going around of you got to do this and you got to do that, but it's it's just kind of meaningless psychobabble. Working on your business is the beginning. It's like they say, if you want to be wealthy, the first habit of wealth is you need to be able to save. Um, and to me, if you want to grow a business, you got to work on it. And work on it means don't tell me how busy you are. Demonstrate you want to grow it by working on it four hours a week, minimum. Until you can do that one habit, that one discipline, you're not going to grow your business. It's growing by accident. It's Mm -hmm. not growing through initiative. It's not growing through definite action. It's just, and that's why it'll grow by 10 10 or 20% a year because you're not involved. You're not looking at the numbers. You're not understanding what marketing is happening. People do what I call abdicate their marketing. Can you take care of my marketing for me? I don't want to know about it. I'm too busy. (laughs) Growing by accident feels kind of like, you know, when you hit your 20s and you start having a a beard show up on your face. Yeah, that's right. It's like, oh, oh, I've got more work coming in. Oh, I probably need to hire someone because I'm working crazy hours. Oh, and that it's like that happens every now and again. Oh, why have I got no money in the bank? I need more sales. Oh, actually, I don't have more money in the bank, even though I've got more sales. Oh, there's something that I'm missing. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> Think called profit so margins. So, yeah. What, what's, the, what's the biggest problem that the businesses you work with actually have to overcome, apart from working on their business? I, mean, I know people are confused with that. But. Yeah. The, there's four major challenges that you have in nearly every business. And the number one is typically cash flow cash in the bank. I don't have enough cash in the bank. So that's probably number one. Number two is the time factor. Number three is employees. And number four is knowing what strategies are relevant to my business to actually grow it. And I'd say they're the four. So they're the ones that I typically work on. But I find that if I increase the profit margins in a business, 
that solves cash flow problem and it solves it so well that liberates so much cash you can afford to pay an extra employee and then that frees up time and then when you've got time you can grow your business and learn and get the strategy. So I come from a profit margin approach. I call it optimizing a business versus maximizing. A lot of people say I want to grow my business and I say what does that mean? Do you mm-hmm. want two or three times more employees? And when you say it that way they they kind of backpedal a little bit and go, I don't know if I like the employees I've got. I don't know if I want to have two or three times more. So I say, would you like to have a hundred or two or 300,000 more cash in the bank? Yeah, yeah, I'd like that. Okay, well, let's talk about optimizing, not maximizing. <laughs> it's, like saying, it's like saying I'd like to have, you have two children and you'd like them to grow up and become adults and you don't want to just you know ha- keep having more kids and let them die off. That's it. Is that too brutal? Is that too weird? Yeah, I probably wouldn't phrase it that way. It's similar to that concept, yes. Yeah. Optimizing as opposed to maximizing. I I really like that. So how many of your clients started off by running their business by looking at their bank balance? That's the only KPI I found is common with every business. Every business owner knows how much cash they got in the bank. That's about it. Or how (laughs) much cash they don't have. That's right. They look at it because it's on the edge sometimes so they're they're constantly seeing how much cash they got in the bank can i pay bills can i pay wages have i got any surplus oh i've got some surplus good i can spend a little so it's a very yeah yeah it's a very common figure because i ask business owners a lot of things about measuring and and most of them aren't measuring much of all of anything they rely on their software the software is not built by management experts built by operations people for industries and so they're not giving the reports that business owners really need to manage their mm-hmm. business. So that's where I get involved and help them set up relevant information so they make decisions with confidence versus doubt. The amount of doubt that business owners have is quite incredible, but it's not something they realize. They don't realize that their pricing is a guess. So there's a lot of doubt about their prices. That's my price. And people go, oh, can you discount it? Oh, yeah, okay. They don't know that they're sure. making a yeah. loss on that because they aren't confident. If you don't have confidence, you have doubt. And so when they're hiring people, they're doubtful that that person will work out. They find out two or three months later, they don't. So there's a lot of doubt that makes it very hard with your decisions if you're not confident. And so I bring a lot of clarity and clarity leads to confidence. So business owners like looking at their numbers and the way I structure the business, they separate from the business, they get on top of it strategically and see it objectively and then they get clarity of what they need to focus on. Oh, I need to increase productivity. My margins and cash flow is down. I need to increase leads because we've fallen into a dip. So they're making confident decisions. And when you start making every decision with confidence, you make a lot of progress very quick. So it feels, it feels to me, Tim, like you were uh, struck by the same uh, arrow that Randy and I were struck by uh, when we were little. When, when our parents weren't watching, there's some sort of drive in you to create stuff and figure stuff out and understand things and improve things. And kind of it's now, now we say it's hustle, but it's, it's more than hustle. There's a, a drive there to a curiosity, uh, an interest, which I believe the youngest generation kind of has a little bit. Those of those who aren't just too tuned in to whatever channels they're on. Uh, but the ones who are really trying things, they've got this amazing swagger and confidence. What do you think about 
the generation coming up, what do you, what do you have to offer them? I, that's a good question. What do I have to offer them? I was thinking of everything I could say until you said that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's definitely like the usual suspects. I got you at the last <laughs> second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do I have to offer? There's still uh, there's very little substitute for experience. I, I tend to work with businesses that have been in business five years, ten years, fifteen years because they know what they don't know, and I think that's a great thing when you know what you don't know. The young ones sometimes they don't. They don't need much guidance because they just they just have it. They've just got it. And I recognize people frequently. I thought I just look at them and go, you don't need me. You're just doing so well. Uh, business is growing. You've got it together. You've got your finger on your pulse. We we have a personality and personality is like a focus. That means you when you have a focus, you have a blindness, what you're unaware of. And that's what holds businesses back a lot is our personality, which is I like to do this, so therefore I'm going to do this really well. I don't like doing that, so that's going to hold my business back. A lot of the younger ones, they've got it together so well that they have this strong awareness. They don't have so much of this blinkered personality, so they just have a better awareness of things, and they're not probably in their comfort zone so much, so therefore they can do the things necessary against the older generation probably don't like to do it as much. And so I'm good at recognizing the people that need help versus people. Like I actually had a interview yesterday with a, it's like a free mentoring session that the government puts on. And I'm looking at these two guys. Their business has grown a couple hundred thousand. It's grown by 20 to 30% per year in the last three years. It's about a million dollars revenue now. It's going to go to 1.2 easily next year. They've got it together. Profit margins are high. I can tell they're very happy. They're not stressed. So when people are smiling and laughing, then... They've kind of got it together as well. And there's people like that. They're uncommon, but that's going to become more and more common in society with the younger entrepreneurial people coming out and they just seem to get their act together. They, it's like when you raise your consciousness to a more positive vibration, you see things with your mind, you intuit things better. And the younger generation have got that more swagger, that more confidence about themselves. So they're operating at a better uh, consciousness level to see opportunities and understand and interpret them better. So it's going to be amazing what the world of business is going to look like in 20 or 30 years. That's the most optimistic sort of analysis of the young in business that I've ever heard, I think. Um, that's a, a remarkably, I don't even want to say rosy. Uh, it was very realistic, but a, a really, really neat prediction. Hmm. Thanks. What were you saying, Randy? I'm saying uh, 20 or 30 years, I probably won't be around to remember <laughs> what business was. <laughs> yeah, me too. So, yeah, I, I but I, you know, I'm 65, but I don't climb trees. No, I don't climb trees either. That's a long time ago. <laughs> when I think about all of that, and I look at your site and kind of what you're offering, at least what we've seen of it, the the interesting, it's it's the iceberg thing again, the who you are is is remarkably more than kind of what what one sees that's hence the trouble with anything knocking on doors or websites or any of that it's but what are you what are you building now yeah what's up for you in the next couple decades well i've had a realization recently that every business i work with i get involved with marketing and nine out of ten times i recognize that marketing is nowhere near the level it can be and even though I go by title business mentor, 
business mentor and marketing don't seem to gel in the marketplace. So you're either a business mentor or you're a marketing expert. I like to call myself a marketing expert, but the two don't go together. And I, I watch clients go off to marketing companies while I'm working with them. I'm like, oh, it would have been good to know that. And then I look at what they're implementing and go, hmm, we need to do a bit of work on that to really improve it, to optimize it. So my realization is I need to start a marketing company. So that's next for me on the horizon is to kick off a marketing company. Every client I've ever worked with, I've measured everything they do before I change it. And when you do that, for 20 something years, you measure about $100 million worth of marketing, you know what works and you know what doesn't. And that's what's lacking in the marketplace. I find less than 2% of businesses know how to measure or are measuring leads to sales by lead sources, less than 2%. So there's a lot of myth and a lot of hope and a lot of guesswork with marketing because the marketing companies are not seeing what turns into sales. They're lead orientated, they're not sales orientated. So I feel I can occupy a space in the market with really bringing high quality marketing that is based on uh, results, based on facts, based on measuring. And since you were talking about Michael Gerber uh, and the E-Myth, I thought maybe you, you could, this is kind of tongue in cheek, but you could name your, your enterprise or your book, uh, or at least have a nice joke, which is the lead myth revisited. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> You're welcome. There you go. You're welcome. There you go. So he'll, uh, Kent will send you an invoice. That's good. But we'll be kind. We'll give you a 30 day terms on that. Very good. Very good. No, so, I like it. So, yeah. So nice to chat with you about that. I think that's, that's an amazing plan. Can't wait to see where you go with it. We keep these interviews short and punchy. And where can folks find you? Profit Transformations or Tim Stokes. They type either of those in, they will find me. No problem at all. LinkedIn, website, that's probably the two primary platforms if they like to follow. I need to do what you guys are doing and get into podcasts in the near future. That's another to-do. Once I get the marketing website up, I think I'll initiate that. So, But yeah, at the you moment, should, that's the as, two ways. As Randy always says, uh, Australian accent's been the flavor of the... What, is, what do you say, Randy? We've, Australian accent's the flavor of the month. They have been for 30 years. So really? They will be for the next few years. Oh, Absolutely. Good Australian accents in the US are killer. Excellent. Yeah, great. We need to. I need to get out there more, don't I? Exactly. Hundred percent. Yeah. Look, thanks very much, guys. It's, you it's been fantastic. Yeah. Nice to speak to you, Tim. Been great. Like your questions; they're really good. This has been such a wonderful conversation today. It was surprising, it was intriguing, it was interesting, and this is just an example of the types of guests that we have on the Thought Leader podcast, and we would love you to subscribe so you get to hear the next issue. Or you can visit our, our website. Our website is thoughtpartnergroup.com, and at the top you'll see a little button that says take the assessment. In one minute you can take the assessment and get a response from us, we'll read everyone. All right, take care, have a good life, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.